Uh, we're going to be reading from Philippians chapter 4. So if you could open up your Bibles. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I treat you, Dio, and I entreat Synthike to agree in the Lord. Yes, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose name are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonable, reason, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things to, through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of, kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent, me, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fra fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We may all be seated. Good evening, youth. Um, I just wanted to share a few thoughts that I had. Um, so you know how Christmas this year fell on a Tuesday and we didn't have youth service and we moved it over to that Thursday service in the main zone? And um, for those who weren't there, uh, Dennis Shokin uh, was, was, had a sermon there and his topic was about, it was about perseverance through trials and about how when a born-again born believer runs into a trial, that he's, like the Bible says, that it is, it, that is from God for the testing of his faith to produce endurance. And in Romans, it says that God predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son. 
in, it says, God conformed us, God predestined us to be conformed, that is, to the image of his son. So we are saved by God to look more and more like his son, Jesus. Dennis said that when we pray for God to sanctify us, if there's something we're struggling with, if there's something that we want out of our lives, and we pray, God, help me with this, God, sanctify me, what we are actually doing when we're saying that is for God, God, send me trials. Because when you get trials, your, your faith is being strengthened. And let, let's actually read that verse in the Bible. It's written in James 1, verse 2 through 4. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James tells us to be joyful when trials come, because the testing of our faith produces produces endurance, and endurance is to be complete and perfect, so we would be lacking in nothing. God, I'm going to say this very carefully, God wants us to strive to perfection, and that's, it's not a hypocritical perfection, it's not a perfection like a self-righteous perfection, but that we may be perfect like his son Jesus. God says, be holy for I am holy. So I'm not preaching perfection because if perfection could be achieved by us here on earth, if you think about this, if we could be perfect here on earth, there would be no need for, the, for Jesus Christ to come here. If there would be no need for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sins. So the only reason that we'll stand before God is not because of being perfect or not because of good works on judgment day, but because Jesus is that perfect sacrifice for us. Amen? Amen. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not one of us. So we strive through the power of the Holy Spirit to be like Christ. Paul says to walk in a, in a manner worthy to your calling. Walk in a manner worthy to which you are called by God. So we... We must walk in a way that when non-Christian people look at us, it says, let your light shine before men so that they may see, you, see your good works and glorify your God who is in heaven. So it isn't easy at first. Like our first reaction when we encounter trials, Dennis Shokin was like, and this is all of us, why is this happening to me? Literally, that's the first, that's a natural human reaction. When we encounter something, you're like, why is this happening to me? And growing up in a Christian family, and it, just, it was just natural. You know, you'd have to pray. You'd have to do all this stuff like everyone else. You know, I would only pray for food. I would pray for tests in college. And, but when bad things, I would, uh, and only when bad things were happening to me, the rest of the time, God wasn't in the picture. But when something really, really bad happened, I was like, I was just questioning, I was like, God, why is this happening to me? Like, I'm, I'm trying to be a good person here. Why is this happening to me? 
And this verse blew my mind when I first read it. It's in 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. It's, it's a really, really good couple of verses. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though it were some strange thing happening to you. But to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. So when I was like, why is this happening to me, God? Why are you putting this in my life? Apostle Paul's like, don't be surprised when that stuff happens. As if something, what is it? As if something strange were happening to you. Because our first natural reaction when something bad happens to us, if someone steals from us, we want to do something back to them. If someone hits us, we want to hit them back. If someone hurts us, we want to hurt them back. And, all, and, and it's like, there was a, when I was growing up and I was like, why do I have to follow all these rules? When I, before I was a Christian, I was like, why do I have to follow these rules? Why do I have to, it says, children, obey your parents in all things. Why do I have to be ob- obedient to my parents in all things? That's, that's crazy. It's every, every, it almost seems like every natural human reaction that you have, the Bible says to not take that reaction but to follow Christ's example because we are being conformed to the image of Christ. So when someone hurts us, when someone persecutes you, you're supposed to pray for that person. When someone hits you, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. When someone steals from you or asks something of you, you're supposed to give you're, if you have two coats, you're supposed to give that person your coat. And I was like, now, now I understand why that is. Because we are being conformed to the image of Christ, we are being more Christ-like. Those reactions that we're supposed to have when we're born again, when the Holy Spirit gives us those desires, those reactions make us more like Christ. Because when Christ was being... When Christ was being whipped, when Christ was being led to hang on the cross, they spit on him, they said all sorts of evil against him, and he did nothing in response. There's so many examples that Christ, like if my natural reaction would be do something else, but Christ, but Christ shows us the way it should be. And the reason why I was like, I've, I realized this not too long ago about obedience to parents in all things, why, do we, why does it say obedience in all things? Because Christ was obedient to his Father, it says, until death. He was obedient to God in all things, even to death. And if we're going to be conformed to the image of Christ, we're supposed to take on that stuff. And I would just wanted to encourage you guys to, when the trial comes, persevere, pray, because you know that the, it's actually sent from God. And I remember Dennis Shokin was like, you know, you, I think he said you guys should just like pray for trials to come because it's going to make your faith stronger. And it sounds like a really weird thing, but if you want to grow closer to God in a quick, not a quick time, but if you want to speed this process up to be more like Christ, pray for God to send you trials. Pray for God for you to overcome those trials. And may God bless us all. Amen.
Praise God, brothers and sisters. Uh, speaking of New Year's resolutions and whatnot, for us to make our New Year's resolutions, we have to uh, overlook this past year and see what we were able to accomplish from our last year's New Year's resolutions and if we were even able to accomplish those. And the one big New Year's resolution for everyone is to be better, right? To be better than last year, to do something more different. And whether it's physically or for us, hopefully, we set ourselves uh, spiritual New Year's resolutions to where we, where we seek for a relationship with Christ and we just seek for more of Him. And uh, uh, that being like one of our main New Year's resolutions for us to just grow in Christ and to be more like Him and for us to be ready, for us to be the clay, for Him to change us and mold us to what, who, we, uh, who we want him, for us to be. So um, looking over this past year, we can see every way, in every way which God has blessed us and what he has done. And none of that was our doing. It was all Christ. So, like, I want to take a few minutes for everyone to just share um, their Thanksgivings from last year. And just, I want, like, whoever's uh, obviously courageous enough to share, uh, just Think about what God has done for you this past year, like whether it's with work or school. And I want you guys to just share with everybody just to proclaim God's, God's uh, mercy and blessing that he has blessed us with. And uh, that being said, I want to start off. Um, and this year, uh, I've been blessed to have been working with you guys, and I'm happy to be part of your guys' youth. And um, I've been blessed throughout this whole year, starting from last year's New Year's and youth camp. And I'm just happy to be able to serve you guys in the worship team and just in the leadership team. And um, God has blessed me in so many ways with you guys. And he has blessed me in my personal life. I've been able to grow with him spiritually as well this year. And uh, he blessed me with a, a job and uh, finances. And uh, I just want to thank him for that. So... Now it's your guys' turn. I want you guys to share as well. Next, next time we'll just have a mic wireless so we can just pass the microphone around. Um, but I'm just thankful for actually not this last year, but the last two years. I don't know why the Lord has decided that he wants to stretch me more so in these last two years than he's ever had in my whole life. Just, uh, yeah, praise God. Just the many different life lessons, the situations God been putting me through. I think I have grown spiritually so much, and um, the Lord has been teaching me how to trust in Him, even though um, um, situations don't always seem uh, as they are. I guess you know how <clears throat> under car we have we have the little mirror that says objects are closer than they appear. Well, situations in life sometimes. Um, don't always appear as they really are in God's eyes. So I'm just really thankful that um, God's been opening my eyes. So praise God. You guys can share from your guys' spot too. You guys don't have to come up if you guys don't want to. But please do. Anybody has anything to be thankful for this past year? Even the little things, like this couple days ago, I don't know, you guys were part of the storm too, I know, because you guys live in this area, but 
the power went out at my house, and it was actually because of the one of the trees that was on our property, and it fell right onto the power lines and knocked down the uh, electrical line and the pole right past our house, so we couldn't leave actually with our cars, and uh, we actually live by quite a few trees, so thank God that none of them fell on our house or anything, but uh, Sunday morning, we woke up and the the pole was right on the road, and we couldn't go around it. So I'm thankful to God I had a few people pick me up uh, after I walked to the other side, and I was able to still make it to church. So praise God for that. Please. So um, I don't know if you guys know, but I've had a surgery done on my knee a couple months ago. I tore my ACL, and um, before I got the surgery done, I remember at work they were praying for me um, before they went to a missionary trip, actually, and they were praying for me to get a very speedy recovery, and then um, I went to see my doctor like two weeks ago, and he said that it has been the fastest recovery they've ever seen at a ACL surgery, so I guess I've been blessed with that. And then uh, I got a job, <laughs> and I went back to college, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Anybody else? I was going to share my testimony, and I was too terrified, but I guess this is my moment. Um, so all of last year, I've been working at the same job since I was 16. So it's been like two and a half years I've been working there, and I felt miserable, and I was looking for a new job. And I was like, oh, this is going to be easy, right? So I go, and I start applying, and I'm like, okay, I just need to be out of here by the summer. And summer came along, and I still didn't have any job interviews, or like if I did, they would call me the day before and they'd be like, sorry, you don't have to come in, we already found somebody. Um, and I think that through all of this process, I was just, like Peter was saying, I, it was a trial and I was basically blaming God and I was like, God, why is this happening to me? Everyone else is getting jobs and I'm not, and I'm the perfect worker, I have so much customer experience and yada, yada, yada. But then, I went to visit Ilya and Zoya, and I got a verbal beating from Ilya, and he was like, you need to humble yourself, you need to start trusting God, this isn't all about you, God is trying to teach you something through this. Um, and that night, I went home, and I got on my knees, and I was like, you know what, God, I'm just going to trust you, and I'm going to put this into your hands, because everything that I already have, it isn't because of me, it was because of you. And two, two weeks later, I believe, um, my boss tells me, like, there's going to be this job opening happening at corporate. And basically, like, you already got the job, so you don't need to even interview for it. And so I walk in there, and I'm like, all right, I already got the job. I'm the boss lady now. Um, and I walk in, and the guy who's supposed to interview me, he looks at me, and he says, I'm not interviewing you because you're too young. And that was it. I didn't get the job. And I came home and I'm like, but God, I trusted you. I don't understand why this is happening. 
Um, and then about a month later, I was praying to God. I actually wasn't that upset about it. I still continued to trust God. And a month later, I came into work, and I had a card that said that I got promoted to a job that I was not qualified for at all, and I ended up, I ended up getting it. So praise God. Um, and I just want to encourage all of you guys to trust God as well, because it took me about a whole year to just like, now looking back at it, to understand that this was all about trusting God. And, you know, however long it takes, you'll get there eventually, but take it from me, since it took me a whole year to learn, to just trust God, because God has so much planned for you, more than you can imagine. Praise God. Does anybody else want to share before we move on? So when I went to mission trip to Moldova, like a whole bunch of stuff like happened and it was, for me, like it was going really, really bad. Like I would cry for like two days straight and like, and like God was like giving me like a lot of, I forgot the word, whatever. And, and after that, like I came home to America and I believe that like I became stronger and just a better person and I thank God for, like, I have my personal life. He helped me with that. And also he got, like, to get a quartiera. I don't know how to say that. Apartment, yes, apartment. And, like, many things. He helped me with my mom, my relationship with her, and just sort of with my dad. But that's working, sort of. But, yeah. Good evening, my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's wonderful to be here at Youth in the House of the Lord. I do enjoy being at Youth. I enjoy being in, in the House of Prayer, in the Lord's House. And I always grow here. Every time I come, I always learn something new, and it's very encouraging. And I hope and I pray that each and every single one of you who comes to Youth also is encouraged and grows. There's a few words that I want to stand out or bring to attention. As we were singing the last song here, there was the phrase, change my heart, change my heart. Now, King David once said in Psalm chapter 51, verses 10, he said this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He didn't say, Lord, cleanse my heart. He didn't say, Lord, just clean my heart. He said, change it. He said, create. Take it out and give me a new one. You see, we're all in need of that. When Max was saying, let's sing this song as we mean it. As we mean it, we should be singing the song. Just as King David also sang that song at one point as he wept after he sinned with with Sheba. And then it said another line in that same song. It said something on the potter's hands. It's Romans chapter 9. And God is the potter, we are the clay. What right do we have to question him the way he made us? So as next time you sing these words on, in the songs, pay attention. Pay attention and see how is it scriptural, where is it scriptural, where is it written, and so on, question. And 
I enjoy doing that. And I see how Scripture is written in the songs as we sing, worshiping, praising God, and finding ourselves that we are very similar with those who walked before us. And we worship the Lord in the same way. Amen? Amen. I hope that was somewhat of an encouragement. On top of that, I would like to say in Acts chapter 2, verses 42, remember how it says the beginning church came together and they did four things, right? They prayed together. They broke bread together. They had public reading. And they prayed. They had public reading. They broke bread together. I think it was fast. There's one more. I'm, I don't remember. In any case, one of those we read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and that's exactly what we did today. It says, it says these words. Let me find it. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6. And this also is an encouragement. Do not be anxious about anything. Let's go up to verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As we speak and as we are sitting here in youth, our country... Um, President Trump is doing an announcement to all of the nation. Uh, for eight minutes, he has all of public radio and television where he is announcing to the American people that there needs to be funding for the wall. Now, besides this, let's just think a little bit. How are people responding to this that are outside of Christ? How are people responding those who don't have Christ and don't have the peace of Christ. Let's read these words right here that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. He said, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Then he says, the Lord is at hand. So the Lord is at hand. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything. And then from there, he goes, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. The reason I bring this up is today I had a conversation with a young man. And as we were speaking, I asked him, what are your goals in life? New Year's, goals, resolutions, so on. And he says, you know, I don't have much. I just want to be happy. And I just want happiness. I didn't say anything back right away. We as Christians, we know where this joy comes from. We know where happiness comes from. We know the source of it all. And so my next question to him was, well, where do you think happiness comes from? Does it come from within or does it come from an outside source? And he says, well, I think it comes from within. And I said, no, I don't think it comes from within. In fact, I know it doesn't come from within. It comes from the outside source. Who? Who is the one who gives that? It's Christ. So as people right now in our time are absolutely anxious about anything and everything. They're anxious about politics. Anxious about, oh, you name it. The list can go on. But Apostle Paul teaches us differently. He says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. 
But in everything, let your requests be made known to God through prayers and supplications. You know, that's why we gather together. And I'm encouraged that we as a youth, as a Christian youth, read these texts together, are encouraged, are reminded, and we live by it. Amen? And I pray that not only I, but you also, and I do believe that you also live according to this. With all this being said, if you can open up to the book of Genesis chapter 25, that is Genesis chapter 25, verses 29 through 34, Genesis 25, 29 through 24, we will have a little little study this evening and we will uh, do some reading, amen. When you're there, just say amen. It's there, the screen is there. All right, chapter 25, Genesis 29, verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of the red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die of what use is a birthright to me. Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew and ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Few words here, few comments, few words that I want you to underline. We are familiar with this story. We are familiar with who Esau is and who Jacob is. We know the father. We know the grandfather, Abraham, had Isaac. Isaac had Esau and Jacob, two twins. When they were born, Esau was coming out first, the one who is to receive the birthright. He is the firstborn. And his brother, Jacob, was being delivered, coming out, grabbing his brother Esau's heel as he was coming out of the womb. Do you remember this story? Amen? We're going rem- to remember stories here because it's important for us to understand Scripture. So do we remember the story? Amen? Amen. I'm glad we do. Okay, so time goes on and they start growing older. Who is the favorite of the mother? Jacob, who was the favorite of the father? Esau, that's right. So now as they grow older, Jacob's more with the mother inside the house. Esau's out in the field catching game. And his father loved him because he caught him game. Deer, elk, whatever it was at the time. And he cooked him food. And so it was time for the blessing of the birthright. Now what is a birthright? Let's look back here in scripture. What is a birthright? It is when the father of the household blesses the firstborn in the family. He blesses him, and the firstborn receives half of the inheritance automatically, and he is the one who takes care and takes over the household once the father is gone. So in this case, once Isaac is gone, it would be Esau who would take 50%, half of it, he would do all the decision-making behind it, and Jacob would receive everything else after. And so you're thinking, well, it's only two of them, Esau and Jacob. What's the big deal? He took half the right. Okay, well, what about Reuben? 
Jacob's firstborn. One out of 12, the oldest out of 12. Well, he was to receive 50%, and the rest of the 11 brothers would have to share the rest of the 50%. Well, that's not as fair, but that's the way it was. The birthright, the firstborn. And so the father, Isaac, says, I'm about to bless you. Go make me my favorite dish. And so the mother sees and says, Jacob, go in. Get the brother's blessing. But let's rewind. You know that story. Let's look right here. And this is where it all really started. Esau comes in from the field. And he's hungry. And he says, I'm exhausted. Jacob, you've been at home all day. Make me something. Give me something. And what does Jacob look and say? He says, give me your birthright. And Esau, out of his foolishness, says, what good is my birthright to me? I'm dying. I'm exhausted. Here, have it. And Jacob says, swear to me that it's mine. Okay, here it is. Oh, well, whatever. What is it to me? So he eats his food and he walks away and scripture says he despises birthright. What is the point of this? The point of this is instant gratification. You see, Esau didn't think ahead. He didn't look ahead. He didn't even think of his birthright, the blessing that he was to receive from his father. He didn't even take that into consideration. He came in and said, I'm dying. An exaggerated comment. Now, how many times have you heard something exaggerated on those lines? I'm dying. I'm thirsty. Give me something to drink. You had water three hours ago. Oh, I have nothing to wear in my closet. And the second closet. I have no shoes to wear. I have no car. I have no money. I have no anything. I have nothing. It's an exaggerated comment. I'm so poor. No, you're not. And so Esau did the same exact thing. I'm exhausted. I'm dying. What good is it? Instant gratification. Let's take this a step further. Shall we in our youth time? I recall scripture. Job says this. King David says this in Psalms. He says, Lord, do not remember the sins of my youth. Do not remember the sins of my youth. Do not hold me accountable for the sins of my youth. You see, there's something about this. Let's fill in this blank. I don't care if this feels so good. I don't want to wait. I don't care if this drug is so good right now. I don't care if it destroys my body. I want it now. I don't care that this relationship is so bad and it's taken us straight to hell. I don't care. It feels so right. And I'm not going to think about the future, the future's future. I want to live in the moment. I want to live in the now. I want to live what's feeling right because that is what I want. And I won't think about anything ahead because that's so distant. It doesn't matter. 
And so all of a sudden sin and problems and addictions creep in and sin gives birth. And so sin grows and addictions come in and characteristics are formed and the patterns of sin are formed and established and grow. And that's because all we want is instant gratification. A time that we live right now in our time, in our culture, that's all it is. Live for the now. Eat your food. Oh, well, if you're poisoned, get fat and die from heart attack, eat it. Instant gratification. You know, there's a true story. There was a doctor. He got so fed up with being a doctor and being healthy and all this that he actually went and opened up a restaurant called the Heart Attack Grill. It's a true story. And he said, you know what? Oh, well, enjoy life. You live once. You can do whatever you want. Who cares about the rules and laws? He died from a heart attack. Instant gratification. And we can go on about this for days. You know the phrase YOLO. You hear that all the time. Oh well, YOLO, YOLO, YOLO. No, YOLO is not a biblical term. Okay, you don't live only once, you live twice. You live once on earth and you live once in eternity. Eternity, heaven or hell. And you choose that. And you choose that. It's not no YOLO. Be wise. And so Esau here sold his birthright over a stew. You know, it's like people going and losing their money with a prostitute. Uh, people going and losing their health over a drug. I met a man one time. He was 50 years old. When I worked in the ER for the rest of my life, I'll remember this story. I sat him on the gurney and I had to bring up the bed. And I put a trash can underneath each one of his legs. And he had a heart failure and every other sickness and disease on the list. And his legs were swollen about this big. And he couldn't walk on them. So I had to unbandage his legs. And the amount of puss that was coming out and gunk and nastiness that was coming out was unreal. And so the doctor said, I don't want to see him until he's washed up. Here you go, Andrew. I said, okay, no problem. So I'm sitting there. I'm taking the saline, right? And uh, after I took all the bandages off and I'm gagging and he's hurt and he's in pain because I'm ripping off his flesh, you know, it's so attached to it. And so I started spraying it with, uh, with the saline, with those IV bags. You just open your spray, and it's draining into each uh, trash canister. Uh, and, I, you know, I take those opportunities, and I talk to that man. I said, how old are you? And he said, oh, I'm 50. And it struck me because he was younger than my dad. And I said, well, well, what did you do for your whole entire life that made you become of this? Oh, alcohol, drugs, uh, partying. And I said, well, that's a shame. If you were to go back, would you not do any of that? No. Never. I would never do this. It ruined me. And you know what? It did. 50 years old is still young. That was my dad. And he's still running around. And this man, he probably died by now. But you know what? That's exactly what sin is. Live in the moment. Live in the now. It's fine. Drink. Oh, well, your liver. Liver, you can get it. Transplanted. You can get a new kidney. You can get a new anything. Live for the moment. Uh, here's another story I'll share. I don't mean to be a storyteller, but I remember as well. 
And this is a true story. When I worked in the ER, I remember it was 8 in the morning, and there was a Tacoma police standing by one of the rooms, and I came up to the cop. I was about 19 at the time, or 20, and I looked at him and said, hey, so what's the story? You know, I'm curious here. He says, just another hoe got in a fight with another hoe, so I had to bring her in. So I looked at the cop and said, oh, well, he deals with it every day, so they get kind of hardened towards it all. And I look in the room, and there was a 22-year-old woman in there who happened to be a, a prostitute. Mind you that it was 8 in the morning, and it was winter. And I looked at her, and when someone's in police custody, you're not allowed to walk in there. And she turned around, and she made eye contact with me. And when we made eye contact, those were probably the most hopeless, helpless, sorrowful eyes I've ever came across with. And I looked at her, and she just turned around. And I felt, I felt sorry. I felt really sorry for her. So I went, and I got a warm blanket from the warmer. I made sure it was a warm one. Sometimes they're cold in there. And I came in, I walked into the room, and I put it on her, and and I walked out, whether I put it on her or on the bed beside her, but she received a blanket. There's nothing else I could do, but as I walked in and I looked at her, she was barefoot. She had bugs running across her feet. And you see them. They look like ants. They were just running across her feet between her toes. I said, oh, my. And I walked out. You see, that's what sin does. And if you think all this sex outside of marriage is fun, that's really what happens. And the devil takes a hold and he'll make it look fun. And he'll make alcohol look great. And he'll make vaping sound harmless and it's just cotton candy. But remember, it will kill. And even though it's instant gratification, living in the moment, it feels great. And all your friends are there with you because when you're doing sin with someone else, it just feels so much more fun. It's more justifiable. Well, I'm not as bad because that one's doing it too. Instant gratification. Time passes. And remember I was sharing the story of how Jacob and Esau then later on went. And Jacob went and made food for his father Isaac. Came into the tent as we see in the book of Genesis chapter 27. If you open up to Genesis chapter 27... And there's a few passages from verses 31 through 41 that says these words. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. Esau says this. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. When Isaac trembled, then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it that then hunted a game and brought it to me? And I ate all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, my father. But he said, 
Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. He saw, said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him Lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me even also me, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice, and he wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from his neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning of my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the story does not end there. We know what happens. Jacob flees to his relatives. And Esau stays. But what comes on? What, what, what's the ending of this whole story? What's the ending between Esau and Jacob? You see, the blessing and the birthright didn't just end there. It continued. Esau was also called Edom and the Edomites. And Jacob was named Israel known as the Israelites. And this prophecy, the blessing that his father Isaac gave Esau, was fulfilled. He became the Edomite. Edomites eventually became enemies with the Israelites. And eventually, as you read the rest in Scripture, the Edomites' existence ceased, totally wiped out, annihilated, and gone. Yet the Israelites are still here. And you may think, why? Well, it is because instant gratification. The pleasure of living for the now and now moments, for the sin right now. Yet that can change everything. Right now as we are coming to a new year, let us think ahead. Let us look ahead. Look ahead to Christ because, you see, He is the source of all things. And He is the source of all blessings. And if you think, I can just live my life totally fine and be totally okay, and then eventually I'll be fine and I'll be blessed, don't be fooled. Scripture teaches that you will reap what you sow. And what you sow is what you will reap. It works both ways. Don't be fooled. Esau reaped what he sowed. He lived for the moment, for the now, and he reaped it. Jacob didn't live for the moment. He was wise when he saw Esau saying that. He said, give it to me, your birthright. Swear it to me. And he took it. And he took it because he knew what the birthright was worth. And he knew what the blessing was worth. 
But you may think, well, birthright and blessing, those are two totally different things. They come in hand in hand. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. If you open up to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 15, we'll see what the writer of Hebrews says concerning Esau. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 15. Let's read these words carefully. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like who? Like who? Esau. Esau was sexually immoral, unholy, like Esau. What does it say? Who sold his birthright for a single meal. Verse 17, for you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. This is a grave warning for all of us. This is a grave warning spiritually for all of us. And not only spiritually, but also physically in our life. Let's take an example of the Air Force. Did you know if you want to fly one of those airplanes, a jet, they do a whole check on you. If you use drugs at least one time in your life, you will never fly a jet. You've honestly become more worthless. Really. I know it's hard to say that, but you're not as valuable as one who hasn't. And so you tell us, I share this with 13, 14-year-old boys. You want to do that? This is what just a worldly standard is for that. And, if, and even though you may be clean and come out of it and think, well, can't I do that? No, you can't. Just from that one time. Just that one time. One more story from the hospital. I remember this one, 14-year-old boy brought by his grandmother for a suicide watch and mental watch. And so they... They're like, hey, Andrew, go watch him one-on-one. -on -one. Okay, so I did. And he was a funny guy. He had a sense of humor. I was laughing. But then I stopped laughing after about 15 or 10 minutes or maybe even five because I began to understand what happened. You see, his grandmother brought him in. He lived with his grandmother. I don't know where the mother was in the picture. But he smoked pot just once. Just the first time. Just the one time. And he fried his brain for life. And you may think, well, that's a plant. Bodies react differently. And so he's sitting there and he's cracking all these jokes. And he's repeating himself every about five minutes. And after about two hours, you're sitting there thinking, oh, no. This kid at 14, his brains are lost. One time. Instant gratification. One time. And that's the result you have to live with. You can go ask anyone who's older. I really, I really appreciate Peter bringing up the parents thing. You know, parents sometimes tell us, do this, do this. And we think, you don't know anything. You don't know anything. I'm a young parent in training. And I really like it when my kids listen to me. When I say don't do that, it's because I really want him not to do that. 
That's that simple. Don't go down the stairs. And they think it's a joke and they fall and they cry. And I told you, don't go down. But that's what it is. You go ask any older pastor, any older leader from church, and you ask him the question, if I live in the moment, will I regret it? And they'll say yes. They'll say yes. Let's take examples from Scripture here, just from Esau and Jacob, the outcome of their lives. Jacob, so blessed that through him, the tribe of Judah, and through the tribe of Judah, King David, and through King David came the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, and Esau doesn't exist. Instant gratification. So before you commit a sin, before you do something, think of the stories. Think of Scripture. And here I would like to read one passage to you from the book of Ephesians. If you open up to the book of Ephesians chapters, I'm sorry, it's Galatians chapter 5 verses 16. It says these words, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. You see, it's a spiritual warfare every day. My flesh says, I want to do that. I want to eat that. I want to live like this. I want to be this. I want to achieve this. And my goals are this. But the spirit is at war with the flesh and it says, No, no, don't do that. But do this, seek God. And, and then you can seek his church and his righteousness. And your righteousness will come from Christ. And the list goes on. So I don't need to explain to you about the battle of the flesh and the spirit. We are all clearly in the green about this topic. We're in the green. You're young adults. You're coming up to that age. You know what's right and what's wrong. You know when your conscience says, don't do that, and you're doing it. Why? Just listen to the conscience. And then listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve Him. He's a living person. The, per the Holy Spirit is a person living in you. How do we know He's a person? He has feelings. He has a will. He has emotions. Just like all of us. We have all that. The characteristics of a person. Don't grieve him. Don't grieve him. So next time somebody says, let's go to that party. Let's go to that club. Let's go do something stupid. You tell them, that's dumb. We're not going to do that because that's the flesh. That's the flesh. And, and that's going to go straight towards hell. And it will. And it will. 30 years are so short. Life is so short. Don't live in the now moment. Live looking ahead. And here, here it is. Look ahead towards Christ. Be born again and know Christ that when you stand before Him, you'll answer and you'll hear the answer. Come in good and faithful servant. I know you've been tested and trialed with a few. You've been faithful with a few. You'll be faithful with many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Seek that. Seek the future of being with Christ instead of the now and the present moment. And I want to finish off with the book of Proverbs, chapter 1. 
If you open up to the book of Proverbs chapter 1, I believe there's wisdom here that is present for our time. Open up to Proverbs chapter 1 verse 20 and say there amen when you're there. Amen. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? And how long will you scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you churn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you, and I will make my words known to you, because I have called, and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand, and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel, and would have none of my reproof, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then you will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. That's our time. Church, this is our time. Youth, brothers and sisters, this is our time. Where right now we live in a time of prosperity and everything's loud, everything's free, but wisdom's crying out loud. You don't see wisdom, but she's crying out loud and she's saying, leave your simple ways. Turn back from your scoffing ways. Leave your ways and come and find wisdom. For I have counsel, I reproof, I teach. Come find wisdom. But the people ignore. The people in prosperity ignore and say, why is wisdom calling? Everything's great. Economy's booming. I'm loaded. I have everything I want. I'm, I have cash. I'm, I'm strapped. I'm good. You know what? Everything will be like this always. But wisdom warns us. And it says, when calamity strikes, and when it comes like a storm and like a whirlwind, then people will seek me, but they won't find me. And people will say, where's the wisdom? Oh, where are you, God? But he's not answering. You see, in our time of prosperity right now, let's not live for the moment. Let's not live as though everything's going to be a party for the rest of our life. It won't. Things will change very soon. Things will change very soon. And when calamity strikes, and those who are with Christ, those who fear the Lord will understand. And they'll be with the Lord, and the Lord will guide them through but those who partied, who just held on to the name of God as if though it was in his pocket or her pocket. And afterward, oh God, answer my prayer. And he's not answering. And why didn't you seek me when you had the time? Why didn't you seek me when everything was good? And you're only seeking me when calamity and whirlwind and problems arise. Seek him in the moment. When everyone is living for the now, for the instant gratification, 
Wisdom is not instant gratification. It's a process. You call on Christ. You serve Him. You diligently wait upon Him. You diligently seek Him. And you grow with Him diligently, daily, daily. Persevering, going through trials, holding on to Christ. That's wisdom. So that when calamity strikes and the problem strikes and the stock market in New York crashes and the political problems collapse and there's a whole collapse in our society, you're with Christ. You know where you are because during the now moment, during the present instant gratification that you didn't want to do, but you chose Christ, you're with him. And you're secure in him. And just like King David who said, my horn of salvation, my rock, my refuge, my strong tower, unshaken, I'm with you. And if you've sinned and you feel like it's too late, you lived in the moment, you had your instant gratification, there's forgiveness. Ask Christ, come to the cross, lift your eyes up to Calvary, to Christ who forgives us. His grace reaches out to us and he is able to forgive us of all our sins. And he is able to cleanse us of all our wrongdoings and he is able to give us a new heart. And so in this new year, when you come to Christ and you surrender yourself to him and say, Oh Lord, give me a new heart. I want my heart to beat. I want a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. I don't want to live for you. I don't want to live in the moment. Because our life is just a vapor. In 80 years, 100 years from now, add your number to that. Where will you be? With Christ or without? Don't live in the present moment. Don't think, I will repent later. We don't know. Today is a day of repentance. Today is a day of salvation. Come to Christ. Repent. He'll forgive you. And live for Christ. As Peter said, strive towards the perfection. That perfection Christ gives. He draws us near. He calls us. And His Holy Spirit convicts us and guides us and into all the truth of Christ. Amen. Let's stand up. Let us, let's kneel. Let's kneel before the Lord and let us pray. to the
forgive us for this and cleanse us, O oh Lord. Cleanse us if we live in the present moment. Cleanse us if the Lord live in the now moment. And Father, grant us wisdom. Grant us repentance, O oh Lord. Grant us repentance, Lord, that we may live according to your word and live by your word and for your word, O oh Lord. That at the end of our lives, when we stand before you, O oh Lord, you will say, come in, good and faithful servant. I pray that each and every single member here at youth may hear these words, O oh Lord. And I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you may touch our hearts, O oh Father. For there are scoffers out there who scoff at the coming of Christ. There are scoffers out there in our present time who say the Lord hasn't returned for 2,000 years. Why should we now? Oh, Father, in the name of Christ, grant repentance to those who say such words and such phrases, oh Lord. Oh, forgive us. Forgive us for being careless of our time, oh Lord, that we may live for you and according to your word, oh Lord. Not caught up in the present moment. Not live for the money, not live for the status, for the sexual immoral gratification that the body and the flesh has to offer, oh Lord. But help us walk according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. Help us to take Esau as an example for our spiritual life, for our physical, for absolutely everything in our life, O oh Lord, that we may cling to you, O oh Lord, that we may hold fast unto you, O oh Lord, and not sell our blessing for just a stew, not sell our blessing or our inheritance with Christ just for the present moment, O oh Lord, for our life is but a vapor, 80, 90 years is gone, and then for eternity, O oh Lord, whether with you or in hell, it's according to us, O oh Lord, how we chose, O oh Father. And this choosing is even smaller than us too, O oh Lord, because this life, O oh Lord, cannot even be compared to all of eternity that we will spend in eternal life. Father, I ask in the name of Christ, may you bless the youth. May you grant repentance to those who need to repent. And may you comfort those who need comforting. And may you strengthen those who need to be strengthened. Be near to those who need you to be near to them, O Lord. And hold them. Hold them fast to yourself, O Lord. Because Christ, you prayed the prayer. You said, and no one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. O Father, Father, in the name of Christ, may you lead us. For the time is coming near, O Lord, when many will seek and many will seek your face and say, O God, O God, give back to me that what I used to have. O Lord, give it back to me. But they'll have a hard time hearing the answer, O Lord. And how do we know of this? Because your word speaks of this, O Lord. Yet Esau sought the blessing with tears, but it was too late. He repented with tears, but it was too late. There was no going back, O Father. And I pray that in our lifetime, in the youth, in our hearts, and in our lives, O oh Lord, that whatever decision we make in this new year in 2019, I pray that you may sharpen our conscience. May you sharpen our conscience and may your Holy Spirit make our hearts and spirits sensitive within us, O oh Lord, that we may understand when we are about to grieve the Holy Spirit and we are about to not and live according to the Spirit. Oh, sharpen our hearts, O oh Lord, that we may live for you, not for the moment, 
so that we may spend eternity with you and not away from you. That we may have fellowship with you, a relationship with you, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Father, bless us. And throughout this new year, O Lord, as I mentioned before, may you bless us that we may be strengthened by your Spirit, that we may live not for our moments, but live for you, seek you, fix our eyes to the cross, so that when perilous times comes and the storms come, we chose you when we had it easy, so that we may be with you and you may be with us when the time is hard. I thank you for your Holy Spirit and that your Holy Spirit teaches us through your word and that you, O Lord, are living and active. You are the word, Jesus Christ, and we praise you. Be with us and we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.